Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, big book study. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is February 23, 2021, and today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 39, the first paragraph, starting with that may be true of certain non-alcoholic people. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Crystal P., Christoph L., Martha Z., Nina R., Kim P., and our newcomer greeter will be Katie G., and the host of the second unrecorded hour, Jody E. Thank you to Team Tuesday. The reference number for yesterday, February 22, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, is 16,499. That's 16499. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern meeting, 16,450. 16450. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Nina R. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Nina. Nina, press star one, please. Nina, are you there? Did we lose you? Hey, Amy, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. Okay, okay. Hi, this is Nina R. from New York City, recovering. Sorry. Step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we're wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our prayers. Thanks for letting me do your service. Thank you so much, Nina. I will now ask for Kim T. to read the tradition. Go ahead, Kim. Thanks, Amy. Good morning. Kim T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such should never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you so much, Kim. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. Again, there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 39, reading the first paragraph only. And I'm going to ask Crystal P to get us started. Go ahead, Crystal. Hi, good morning. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people, 
who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize. To smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of their experience. Let us take another illustration. Hi, good morning. This is uh, Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. I'm going to start my timer. Um, in reading this, I was just thinking, you know, um, my best friend, I was speaking to her yet, uh, the other day, and she was telling me how she's noticed that, you know, during the pandemic, she's, she's been eating a lot more dessert, and, um, and that it's having a really negative impact on her health, and uh, she's kind of lost control over it. And by recognizing that and seeing the effect that it's had on her body and her mind and, and her mood and everything, she's decided she's going to stop doing that. And, and what's incredible is that she did. She decided it. She figured it out. She saw what, you know, the impact that it had on her. She made a decision, and now she's actually doing it. And so many times I have so many bitter experiences, bitter, bitter experiences that are nowhere near, you know, what, what she's talking about, just like experiences of people of walking into classrooms and having kids point and laugh at me because of how fat I was. Um, having, you know, going into airplanes and having to ask for extra, you know, seatbelts, just the humiliation of needing more of a seatbelt just to sit in, in, into an airplane or having people not want to sit next to you or, or on the bus because you're going to spill into half of their seat. Or even worse, it's sitting in the ER at 30 years old and having doctors look at you like, we don't know what to do with you. You're not going to live very long and there's nothing we can do to help you because you're just eating yourself to death. Bitter, bitter experiences. I know the damage that this uh, disease has done to my body, the damage the disease has done to my mind and my spirit. The problem is, and I've made decisions galore, like lots of decisions of you know, today will be different or tomorrow will be different or Monday will be different. The problem is that in that moment when it's between me and the food in that moment when the decision actually has to come to bear, that stuff just doesn't come into my mind at all. It's just gone. Self-knowledge only works if you actually remember the knowledge that you've gained. And I just don't. In that moment when it's me and the food, it's like as if it's me and oxygen. All, like, all I can think, feel, and, and, and process is just must eat that item. And I remember the moment this, you know, this was smashed into me. This, this idea was smashed into me was I was in program. I had been sort of um, playing around, you know, I, I'd been working the program like a diet and not been doing any of the steps. And I hadn't really put down all of the food. And uh, my sponsor had been, you know, uh, sort of very patient with me. And then finally had to be like, listen, you're not working the steps. And if you're not ready, that's okay. But I have to work with someone who is. Uh, so let me know. And and the idea that someone was going to drop me was just so shocking that it actually pushed me to try, like actually try now. And I was so sure. I always believed that when I put my mind to something, when I really get something and I decide something, I do it. I was so sure that the only reason I hadn't lost weight so far or hadn't put down the food so far is because I hadn't really decided until I actually decided. And I found out that in the moment when it's me and the food, it could go either way, 50-50. There was really, my decision made no difference 
as to whether I picked up the food or not. And that was so frightening to me that I couldn't trust my own mind, that my own mind would tell me information that was just flat out wrong and I'd believe it. That scared me enough to trust the program and my sponsor, stop thinking and just follow instructions. And I'm so grateful because I get to be recovered today because that was smashed home for me. Thanks for letting me share I path. Thank you so much, Crystal, for getting us started. Awesome. Okay, so although we ex- uh, we very much appreciate your experience, Trink and Hope, if you share it on either Monday or Friday, we ask that you let others uh, share their experience, strength, and hope. So who would like to share on what was read? Dawn S. Melissa C. This is Larry, Larry K. Got Larry. Okay, so Nancy P. Hold on, Nancy. Okay, I think there was someone I missed after Don S. Between Don and Melissa. This is who I have Don S., Melissa C., Do L., Larry K., Nancy C. Who did I miss? If you could Christine. Christine. There we Rick. go. Christine S. And where is it, Rick? I thought I Nessa heard a Rick. R. Rifka R. Nessa R. Rick, can you, was it a Rick that I heard? Oops. Sorry. Okay. All right. I'm not sure about that one. All right. So we have got a good lineup here, a great lineup here. Don S., Melissa C., Duell, Larry K., Nancy C., Christine S., Nessa R. All righty, folks. Let's get started. Don S., you're up. Please go ahead. Don, press star one. Maybe I didn't hear a Don. Ah, there I am. <laughs> um, there you good go. morning. Thank you for your service. That was a bit of self knowledge. I just knew I was not on mute. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, talk about. Uh, self-knowledge I had glanced at this paragraph knew it was coming up this morning and I said to myself oh that's just that paragraph that we always hear about you know I'm going to finish watching my uh, sports show and um, I almost didn't call in because I was like oh that's we've been there before (laughs) right and um, hearing it being read and the um, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks that um, I have um, just been absent uh, a couple of days, but I have been through the program um, for several years, lost my weight. Um, uh, more importantly, though, I had cleared my mind um, and, uh, you know, spiritually I had grown uh, unbelievably. And um, since I had uh, gone out of the program, um, I had tried and tried and tried. I knew what to do. I'd done it before. There's no reason um, for me to go back to you know meetings or listening or get a sponsor or anything because I did this. I've sponsored at least eight people in my career, and um, so I knew all about it. And I could not stop eating, even though I knew the solution inside and out. Um, and uh, but it wasn't until last Wednesday when I made the decision to get back on the, 
a vision for you um, and really take it, take step one. Um, and I had to attack this program like I'd never heard about it before. And uh, all of my self-knowledge um, got me nowhere. So I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dawn. Uh, Melissa C., you're up. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Sorry. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. This is Melissa C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And, um, yeah, so, you know, the self-knowledge, knowledge about my addiction, like I can have all the knowledge in the world about the allergy, um, you know, about the, like, even about, like, the emotions that seem to create a hankering for eating. You know, I can even know everything there is to know about the mental twist, right? Like, even having knowledge about that, um, it would sound perfectly reasonable that if I would know that I have this mental twist, I could maybe, like, recognize it, see it coming, do something about it, you know, um, and and if it was reasonable, then, then that would work to know about it. Like, I could take my knowledge and apply it, right? I could just take it and apply it. But um, but what we know is that we're not lacking information, like not even lacking information about the mental twist. What I lack is power to do anything about it. And that's what it means to be powerless, you know. And I think, like, why is it important, like, that we just keep examining this concept of powerlessness? Because so much of the book seems to be devoted to this step, you know. And, and um, you know, I, why because um because it takes a lot for for me to learn it you know like powerless and not just to learn it but to do something different about it you know for me this is like not just powerlessness but unmanageability because i can't take that which i know and apply it you know powerlessness and unmanageability means that i can't live within the boundaries of my own knowledge um you know, and more about alcoholism, just it keeps illustrating this chapter just keeps illustrating each thing I can't rely on, and I think what's important is that because it's gonna lead you know hopefully right if we do this work well, especially working with others and even in myself, it's going to force me to ask, well, then what am I gonna do about it like if I can't use this and I can't use that, you know it slowly like picks off all the things that I can use, and it kind of it forces the addict to ask, you know what am I gonna do about this then and and you know hopefully right, and how did you get overeating? How did you do it and you know, and so what what it does is i mean I think it's brilliant because it sets me up for knowing I better find another power if I'm powerless, I'd better be willing you know to to find something greater, and of course we know that there is <laughs> um thanks with that I'll pass thank you so much, Melissa C okay, do l you have the floor. Good morning, my friend. Thank you. Um, do Al, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Um, grateful to be here. Um, I, I love this paragraph because it makes a distinction between the non-alcoholic versus the alcoholic. And um, it says if you haven't crossed the line into addiction, uh, you have choices. Um, and, and this is not speaking about just anyone. This is speaking about <clears throat> the moderate drinker, the 
heavy drinker. It's talking about people that have choices because they don't have the physical allergy, nor do they have the mental obsession. That's really important to distinguish, right? Because people that don't have what we have, they can make choices. They can go to a Weight Watchers program and, you know, uh, pretty much identify those key food ingredients, uh, put them out of their their uh, food plan, follow a food plan, uh, lose the weight, maintain their weight, uh, and do those things. Uh, that was not my experience. <laughs> and no matter how how much knowledge, how many books I read, no matter how much <clears throat> I got counsel, no matter how much self-knowledge I got, I did not have the power of choice. And that's the difference between somebody that's normal eater versus a abnormal eater like myself. And so I need a different solution for my problem. And this paragraph is now saying, well, we have no choice. <clears throat> we have no solution. So I might as well go out there and binge my brains off because it is hopeless. It seems hopeless, but it's not. And this paragraph is going to develop that, right, that there is hope, there is a solution, but I'm not the solution. And that's what this is stressing, that I'm not the solution because I don't have the power to think my way out of this disease. I don't have the power to, to be in fear and get myself out of this disease. I don't have the power of choice when it comes to this disease. But there is some other type of power that's going to enable me through the instructions of this big book to get out out of this disease. So there is a way out. So I you know people that are reading this paragraph, they can they can quickly come to a conclusion, oh well it's hopeless. I might as well keep eating. That's not what this is saying. They're saying let's make the distinction. The distinction is that you don't have the choice, but you need something greater than you to make that choice for you to be able to get out of your disease. And so um, I hope that's helpful and uh, really enjoy this paragraph. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Stu. Okay, Larry K., it's your turn. Amy G., good morning. Uh, Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Uh, we read the actual, the actual alcoholic will be unable to stop on knowledge alone. You know, um, uh, most training programs for mental health professionals require um, that they complete a course of psychotherapy, you know, as part of their training. It's actually a pretty intense course of psychotherapy. And, and many, and I went through that, and, um, and many of my, many of my, I, I don't think that I recall that my peers that were going through that had uh, their pockets filled with Skittles and milk tuds like I did when I went to my, my therapy sessions for well over a year. Um, and we, we uncovered and discovered a lot of things. And, um, you know, um, and, and I would leave those, those sessions. And it wasn't the first time I had been in therapy. It certainly probably won't be the last. Um, but, but I needed the food. I needed a, an anesthetic uh, to be able to uh, feel comfortable or a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. See, that's not normal, right? That's not normal at all. And, you know, knowledge 
is what is knowledge? It's just having a practical understanding. And and but having a practical understanding is not enough for a for a a gutter comp, uh, compulsive eater like me, for an addict, right? And so I come to program, and uh, you know the inner shout for recovery is like shouting for silence, right? I mean, how absurd would it be that you know that someone would shout at the top of their lungs for for silence, right? We have to meet our suffering. We have the, this process. Uh, we meet our suffering and we face it directly. We have uh, a presence of courage as we work through the steps. See, we need a, a transformation. And that was, that was uh, you know, I was devoid of that when I was going through the psychoanalytic therapy. No, it was as good. It was good. Certainly good. I, I, I'd recommend it for anybody. I think it's helpful. See, but it won't, it never lifted my desire uh, to compulsively overeat. It never could. I needed to be brought into alignment with the higher power of my own understanding, which is not a one-time, you know, stop at the bus stop and get that kind of thing done, right? It's an ongoing, lifelong process. It's something that I'll never stop doing, and hopefully God will never be done with me. I sure hope so. I'll never be done with him. This is how I found them, not in a church, not in a synagogue. That's great if that's where you found it. I found, a, I found my relationship with my higher power through these 12 steps and through this, this program, and I'm grateful. Amy, I'm grateful for you. Thanks. With that, I pass. Perfect timing. Thanks, Larry. Okay. Nancy C., you are up. Hi, I think that was Nancy P. Oh, okay. Nancy P. I'll go with that. <laughs> okay, thanks. Good morning, Nancy P. Uh, recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. Um, this is an awesome paragraph. And as others have said, uh, you know, understanding is not what I need, what I needed. You know, spiritual, even spiritual understanding is not what I needed. And I love the word bitter because all the things that I had done before, and had, that had happened to me, that's where I tried to avoid the consequences or tried to avoid the results of my compulsive overeating, whether it's fear or humiliation or time or any of, you know, self-knowledge, none of that mattered because that's not what I needed. I didn't need knowledge. I needed an awakening. And, you know, to be spiritually awake, there was one key thing, you know, I, I sort of split hairs. I say, I say, and I tell my sponsees, I had to awaken first, and then I could gain spiritual experience. I don't think of it as having spiritual experience. I think of it as gaining, and um, and I couldn't get there until I woke up. And how did I wake up? I'll give you one million guesses. Usually it's nine million, but today it's only going to be one million. Mm-hmm. And the word is surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. I had to fully concede, which, you know, our good friend, who I'm, I guess I shouldn't name names, but who said, you know, concede means after a fight. You give up after a fight. And I fought for 47 years in OA to try somehow to beat the game, to try to cut corners and get to where I wanted to be without surrendering. And guess what happened? Nothing. Zero. Half measures availed me nothing. 75% measures availed me nothing. 99.99% surrender availed me nothing it had to be complete surrender and after that happened <clears throat> excuse me after i surrendered then i got 
I got better. And not only did I get better, I got better pretty quickly. And I would say that, you know, the, the call out, the main call out in this paragraph is absolutely. And there are five words that I pay particular attention to when I see them in this, in, in the text here. And they are absolute, complete, entire, utter, and nothing. Because it means there's no wiggle room. It means they speak to my desperation. They keep my desperation alive and well, because that's what I need. If I'm going to, if I'm going to be um, awake, I need to be desperate. If I'm not desperate, my, I will fall back asleep. And I don't want to do that. I want to stay awake. I want to stay spiritually awake so that I can grow, um, you know, gain more and more spiritual experience. And since I did that, since I surrendered, I have not had to hurt myself with food. Not only haven't had to hurt myself with food, I never think about it. I think about it as often as I think about my socks. I put them on in the morning for four seconds and I take them off at night for three seconds. And that's how often I think about food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy P. Okay, we have Christine S. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's Christine M. from Long Island, New York and Rich. Um, So I just came in to claim my seat and uh, what I would like to add to this today, um, I had to, when I look at stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge, um, I've been in program now six months, and I had to let go of the disappointment that I'm not a normal eater. I had to let go of constantly thinking of food and how is it happening and why am I not losing weight and why am I um, because I'm a binge purge disordered person but all these things um, when I let go and accept that God and I speak to him in the morning and I'm quieting my mind and I let go of what I want. I want to be able to go sit in a diner and eat everything on the whole plate and then my friend's plate. I would just run rampant and keep gaining weight and keep having high blood sugars. So uh, today, yesterday, in the last six months, I've learned to connect to God who is personal to me and I ask in in the morning let me learn from my program and from my fellows and let go of everything I want Uh, I'm not disappointed anymore God is talking to me every day and I'm making progress and it's not perfect but I uh Thank you for sharing every day on this line, anybody that's listening, because today I am getting healthy and I have spiritual guidance and I ask, um, you know, uh, to actually sit in a quiet place and ask God each day, what, how can I live in a... um, place where I let go of everything and my willpower. I cannot will my way through this program. And uh, I ask guidance to just take it step by step, one day at a time, one meal at a time. 
With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. M, okay. Nessa R, you're up. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, after so many decades of going to nutritionists and weight loss programs, I knew so much about nutrition. I knew as much about nutrition as my sister, who has a master's in nutrition. And I went to doctors, and they all told me the consequences of um, my obesity, you know, especially given the history of heart disease in my family, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. And I knew all that. But, you know, like, it doesn't really matter what I know. It matters what I do. And what I was doing was totally the opposite of what that knowledge would dictate that I should be doing. And you know what? The sad thing is that even in a way um, that happens, you know, when I found out and I learned about the uh, allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, I still picked up and I was still eating. And um, by the grace of God, I got a lot smarter. Um, and uh, thanks to my sponsor who really um, showed me what to do and the willingness, not wanting to do what I, she told me to do, but the willingness to do what she told me to do. Uh, I'm no longer there. But, you know, we, I, I see in meetings, you know, so many people who can quote the big book, you know, chapter and verse and have a, a, a head full of big, uh, big book and uh, belly full of food. You know, I've gone to meetings where if I close my eyes and I listen to the shares, I think, oh my gosh, this person has decades of recovery. I want what she has. And then I open my eyes and I go, oh, you know. And it doesn't really matter if we have knowledge. Um, it doesn't matter what we know. It doesn't matter what we think we, we know. It matters what we do. And this is why this is a program of action. It's not a program of knowing. Uh, it's a program of action. And the first action that I had to take was to put down my trigger food, trigger ingredients, trigger behaviors 100% and become entirely abstinent. And then I had to work these steps as instructed mm-hmm. by my, my sponsor, as instructed by uh, the Facebook. And then I recovered. Um, and that's all there is. You know, anybody can recover here. Um, the only requirement is to be able to follow instructions, and anybody can cover, uh, can follow instructions. You know, I've heard it say, you cannot be too dumb to work this program, but you can't be too smart. Um, so, you know, forget about knowing and um, just do, um, just do it, I guess. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. So we're going to take a round of names again. We're on page 39, the first paragraph, unpacking that paragraph only. And if you've shared on Friday or Monday, we ask that you allow others to please share their experience, strength, and hope. Okay, who was that? Sarah Sarah R. from New York. Christina J. Ken W. H. Christina J. Jen W A, did you say? Okay, who else did I miss? 
I have Vasa O, Sarah R, Christina J, Jen W A. I think it was someone else I missed. Who was that? My name Cheer F. Jessica R from Baltimore. Hello. Okay, Re- Rebecca R from Baltimore. Who's from Baltimore? There's somebody from Baltimore. I just want to get your name. Can you speak up again? Hello? Rivka R. Rivka R. There we yeah. go. Rivka R. Okay, who else did I miss? Han M. Han M. Gotcha. Okay. Anyone else? Is that? All right, we're going to go with this. All right, another great lineup. Vasa O, Sarah R, Christina J, Jen W A, Rista R, and Han M. Okay, let's go ahead, Vasa. You're up. Star one. Vasa? Vasa? Vasa, we can't hear you. Star one to unmute, please. Could you tell me what paragraph we're on 39 on the top I'm paragraph? sorry about that. Thank you, Amy G., for your service. And Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive leader, calling from Port Charlotte, Florida. And this is a good paragraph. And uh, self-knowledge. Before I came to OA, I didn't know there was uh, a program of OA. And uh, I used all the self-knowledge in those 25 years, I and none of it worked. Maybe it worked for a little while, but I always kept on going back to the food. And I could really, I mean, I knew all about nutrition. I went to the Weight Watchers. I remember counting calories and weighing and measuring. And, and none of it worked. I had no clue. Uh, when I came to OA, I found out about the allergy of the, my body and the obsession of the mind, I had no clue. So by the time I came to OA, my body, my brain and body was damaged, and I was willing, I was so ready, and I was so excited to find out there was a solution. After looking for the solution for so long, so many years, I always failed, and it was getting so progressive. I remember, you know, by the time I came to OA, I had the gift of desperation, I didn't see it as a gift at that time. I said, how can they say this is a gift, you know, to put all those uh, foods that I was putting into my body, all the toxic foods that uh, was damaging my body and my mind. But I realized, you know, if I didn't do what these people were doing, I was just going to die. And I was just so willing. I was ready to admit I was powerless over the food addiction and gradually my life became unmanageable with the food and everything else. And, um, yeah, I needed to find a power greater than myself, which uh, I call it God today, a higher power. I don't care what they call it. Just show me the way. And I needed to put everything aside, what I was doing, and I had to start with, with new, what, I, what I've been learning in this program. And, yeah, I had to put the food down go through the withdrawals, and then I did the first three steps. I can, he can, and I will let him. I was just so ready, willing. And then, you know, I was ready to do the fourth step. The fourth step, gradually, I was afraid, but again, oops, sorry about that. 
it was it's my time and I'm gonna pass. Thank you and I pass. Thank you so much, Vasa. I think I heard someone ask what page we're on. We are on page thirty nine, the first paragraph. Okay. Thank you, Vasa. Sarah R, it is your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you so much, Amy G, for your positivity and your service and for all of you on the line. Um, I just Googled the word concede and on Google, and it says admit that something is true or valid after first denying or resisting it. So since July 7th, I am in program take three, and they say three times a charm. Because, you know, this exactly what it says over here, absolutely unable to stop stuffing my face on the basis of self-knowledge. And I would go to nutritionist after nutritionist, and I had so much knowledge that I would always teach them something. That's how well-versed I am in, in what I should and shouldn't eat, you know. And week after week, I would show up and I would just write nope across the entire food sheet because I can't stop. You know, it's, it's like people who commit like different crimes, like serial crimes again and again and again. And they always say like, you know, stop me because I can't stop myself. And that's, that's where this concept of conceding is because, you know, again and again and again. I I thought I knew what, you know, what, how to do this program. But again, you hear that. I thought I knew. So that's, that's not conceding. That's just, you know, I came, um, you know, admitting I'm powerless. But I'm saying, but essentially admitting that I'm not powerless because, you know, I, I, I know what to do. I got this, you know, and, and, you know, slowly but surely understanding, like, in my first relapse and my second, like, my second, re- my second relapse, it was so bad. I just, I couldn't stop eating. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going back on program. And I, I couldn't, I remember one Saturday, it just, I kept going. I went to a restaurant and I just kept eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating, like, like nonstop, constantly putting things into my mouth. And I was like, gosh, the book is right. The book is right. And, you know, my sponsor was telling me, you know, we came to believe um, that a power greater than ourselves, not I came to believe, you know, and what, what could we be? We could be the higher power. We is the fellows of the program and, you know, just showing up, not trying to outsmart you all because of course I can, right? That's what brought me into these programs. And one day at a time, um, thank you all for your service and have a beautiful day. Thank you so much, Sarah. Christina J., please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Christina J. from the state of Washington, recovered for today. You know, I came into the world desperate. I think that uh, there was desperate situation in my home life and there was desperation around food because my mother was also a compulsive overeater. And um, I learned that desperation early. Uh, everything in life was desperate and anxious, and I've walked with this desperation and this anxiousness 
all of my life and didn't even realize it wasn't like a normal place to be in my body, my mind, my emotions. I chased dreams. I chased solutions to looking thin and beautiful so that I could get my dreams. My life has been just effing miserable with anxiousness and desperation. And the one thing that I thought I had under control was my brain and that I could search for this self-knowledge about not only the situations in my life, but this food problem. I just didn't understand it. And I felt like, um, I don't know, I have this autopilot numb. And I would just do the autopilot numb in my daily life and think that the next diet was going to do it for me. And then as the disease got worse and I started to carry more body weight and my first husband used to condemn me viciously because he wanted that uh, Stepford wife, that perfect California wife, uh, to have on his arm and, you know, a little bit of weight, and I was just cast out from his uh, affection. And that was anxious and miserable, and that didn't stop me. Um, you know, him calling me names didn't stop me. My my second wonderful husband accepted, accepted, accepted me the way I was, and that was a gift in, in certain ways that I could talk about later. But my third husband used to tell me, uh, the one I have now, honey, you're killing yourself. You're killing yourself. And that scared the shit out of me, but it still didn't stop me. All this knowledge and this shame and this guilt. And so I went through the program, you know, and I had a great sponsor the first round in vision. And um, I went through the fourth and the seventh and the eighth and the ninth and started sponsoring in the tenth and the eleventh. And, you know, I didn't work ten and eleven very hard. Um, so my little spiritual awakening that I had in fourth, the knowledge that I got about myself in the fourth step, didn't hold me because I didn't continue to clean up uh, the past. I didn't continue to clean up the daily bullshit. Um, and so the food called, and I started messing with my regular foods, thinking that the knowledge of these regular foods, because they, they didn't trigger me right, um, and I would just overeat on those. And I, it was this desperation to... Um, stay thin was over-exercising, and, and I, I don't know. It's just the knowledge does not work. The knowledge does not work. And what what took me to the knowledge finally? What made the knowledge work? What put the key in the lock uh, that for this desperation, this gift of desperation that I was carrying around for years was, as another fellow shared, this surrender uh, to a experience of step one, the surrender that I had to walk Time. away and I'll finish up um, – I had to actually have that experience of walking away from the uh, food, and that was the surrender. That was the awful, painful surrender I had to go through. Surrender is not easy, especially when the food is there promising the old promises of, of satiety and the emotional release. And It's just BS. Don't listen to it. And um, Anyway, <laughs> I'm really – thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Christina. Jen? Jen W.A., I think, you're up. Hi, this is Ken W.H. Ken. Ken <laughs> Sorry, H. I wasn't even close. That's okay. You were in the ballpark. <laughs> we're still playing the same game, so it's all right. We're in the ballpark. <laughs> same team. Anyway, um, I just, uh, sometimes my mind is weird and uh, just starts to, play a little bit with words and knowledge uh, is brought up here so often and that's been one of my big bugaboos in life. I know too much and I I uh, just pronounce it differently for this uh, example of no ledge and it, it lets me know 
what this disease does is it lets me know that I have reached the ledge. Uh, later on in the book, it's going to say we stood at the turning point. Uh, I'm kind of hanging right there on the ledge, looking over, maybe, <laughs> or too afraid to look over at what might be there in front of me uh, or below me. Um, and I, I, my natural instinct is to want to turn around and, and run away from that ledge and, and uh, just remain in my knowledge, if you will, and my, my self-thinking. Um, and it turns out that self-knowledge is uh, proved to be a, a half-measure which avails nothing, that we're going to learn later. Uh, it availed me nothing, that's for sure, all of that self-knowledge and knowledge about God and everything else. Um, so I, <laughs> I just need to keep remembering that I do stand at a ledge, a ledge uh, of, a, of, of a deep, open space. It can either be an abyss that's going to absorb me and take me in and uh, I'm, I'm just lost there, or it's going to be that wide open free space into which I can literally fly, literally float, um, which is God's uh, will for me. Um, and I trust that wholly. And I'll just leave you with the phrase that has meant so much to me over the years, is that you know you know when you know that you don't know. Um, that's just wise wisdom for me, uh, learning that I just really don't know. I don't need to know. I need power. Thank you for letting me share. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Ken. Okay, Rebecca R., followed by Ann M. I think we can get you both in. Go ahead. Hi, uh, this is R- uh, Rivka R. from Baltimore. Rivka, um, I did it yeah. again. I'm sorry. Thank you, Rivka. <laughs> no Please go ahead. Okay, um, recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God in Baltimore. Uh, um, the language of this paragraph is, is so intense to emphasize and reemphasize and to smash home and our bitter experience and the italicized words, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Th- this is the absolute truth for me. Uh, I thought there would be some insight that would relieve me of the bondage of the food monster, but no insight ever did. I thought if I could smash upon my brain how terrible sugar is, it would stop me. I even wrote an article for a magazine once on the detrimental effect sugar has on our health, how it depletes and paralyzes the immune system 80% for five hours after ingestion. Uh, That never stopped me. Nothing other than a total surrender of my finite power would finally open me to the real power because my biggest thrill was food, and the biggest thrill of all was getting away with sneaking it and hiding it and eating it. When I was a kid, I never understood why my friends would be so upset being called in for lunch when they were playing. Uh, Food was always more exciting than any game I was playing at the moment. And here's the thing with food. It, It only got painful when I would finally finish a binge. Only then would I feel the consequences of an overloaded belly but I could never remember the consequences while I was on my way to the pain because of the thrill of getting away with it. And then when I would be stuffed, wham, I'd get hit by the bus. And like the jaywalker, I would do it all over again. I remember learning in sixth grade that there's a a part in the brain that controls appetite called the hypothalamus. And I remember sitting at my desk as clear as day, that was 55 years ago, I was 11 years old, and I thought, well, that part of my brain must be broken. Little did I know how true that would prove to be in my life. I'm so grateful to program today that um, 
I'm provided with the action steps to establish and grow in my relationship with God, who then relieves me of the bondage of self and relieves me of the bondage of the food monster. And without this program, I would never be able to choose life. I thank you all for being there, and I pass. Thank you so much, Rista. Okay, and M, you are up. Taking us out. Hi. Hi, Amy. It's on him. Can I be heard? I hear you. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Amy, and thanks for your service. Um, I'm recovered compulsive overeater from Ireland. Uh, very grateful to be on the line and in wonderful chairs. Uh, yeah, this paragraph speaks volumes to me. You know, it really just, I think it just sums up everything to me, really. It, it really shows me the diagnosis, you know, the difference between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. And, uh, yeah, in that it shows me as well, you know, it's a self-diagnosis, which for me sometimes, you know, I knew I was beaten. I was desperate. I was at rock bottom and uh, conceding to my innermost self that I really was a true compulsive overeater. And it goes on to show me, you know, the disease and the nature of the disease, you know, brain and body. And, uh, yeah, it's like that. It just outlines it very simply, you know, how it manifests, you know, its analogy of the body and an the obsession of the mind. And, uh, you know, it goes on to tell me that it's, you know, it's actual or potential, which shows me that really it's, it's progressive. And I've heard it on this line many times. It's progressive. It's permanent and it's fatal. So I know what I'm dealing with here. You know, it's 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 the bittersweet. It's the truth I need to know, but it's the uh, yeah, it's the scary part that gives me the 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 knowing that I'm so desperate this will kill me. You know, and it's just another compulsive overeater. It says here bitter experience, and that just shows me it's just another compulsive overeater like myself who can carry this message to me because they've experienced it. And uh, I love the part as well at the end where it says, you know, about the self-knowledge. Yeah, it's absolutely, you know, so essential for me. It's in italics, which really brings, you know, makes my ears, you know, really just like, you know, listen and listen even stronger when I see italics. And uh, it shows me my, my solution. My solution is a spiritual, it's a spiritual solution, but it doesn't just happen. There is work involved and I've heard it. You know, many times over, this program is not for people who who want it or need it. It's for people who do it. You know, the spiritual experience come, but before that, there's the step work that 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 brings me to the spiritual experience, which is my solution. And thank God for that solution. Um, today I'm so grateful to be recovered and to have it for one day. And uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. All the all the fruits of the program, all the promises as well as, you know, the neutrality around the food and and the, the spiritual awakening and having emotional sobriety. It's all just packed in here. So thank you so much, Amy, for your service, and thanks, everybody, on the line. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Anne, for taking us out. All right. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for another second unrecorded awesome hour of study immediately following. The share ID for today's 7 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You meeting is 16454, 16,454. That is for today, Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Christoph, will you please take us out with the vision for you? 
Gustav Star One, please. Christoph, are you there? Martha Z, maybe? You could read it for us? Hi, Amy. This is Martha Z, compulsive Thank overeater. Thank you, Martha. <laughs> uh, recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.